Welcome to Living Word Ministries with director and Bible teacher, Debbie Blank. Each week, Debbie examines current events through the lens of end times Bible prophecies. Please visit our website for information and past programs at livingwordministry.org. Now let's open our Bibles to focus on truths from God's Word with Debbie Blank. About 40 years ago, my husband and I were experiencing some really difficult financial struggles because of some business investments that he had made. It was so bad that he was considering bankruptcy, which neither of us wanted and which I really didn't believe God wanted for us either. In the midst of our seeking God's wisdom, we had a guest speaker at church. Guess what his topic was on? Tithing. I thought, well, that's the last thing I want to hear about when I don't have the resources to buy food and when things are really depleted in our lives and we owe a lot of money. How am I ever going to tithe? I'm going to take more money out of what we have and give it away instead of using it for our needs. But I listened and it turned out that God answered my prayers about our problems through that sermon on tithing. I still remember the man. I don't remember a lot of what he said, but I know clearly what God said to me that day and how he impacted my life. So we started to obey God with our tithing and our finances, and he has met every one of our needs then and since then. I'm Debbie Blank, looking forward to sharing with you God's purpose and the spiritual benefits of tithing, because it's a spiritual discipline that's important for all of us in our heart towards God. And I'm co-host Jackie Sailors. What exactly is tithing? While some denominations may require it, others may only preach about it at certain times of the year, and others rarely or never mention it. Is it an Old Testament requirement only for the Jews of that day? Is it spoken of at all in the New Testament? Is it the same or different than a weekly offering? Or is it something much more? What's interesting is there is a scripture where God issues a challenge and a promise associated with tithing. Is that promise for you? Today we'll look at the answers about whether you should tithe or whether you don't need to tithe and why. A lot of churches, Jackie, as soon as they mention money or tithing, everybody just turns them off because they think, oh, all the church wants is money. Well, that's not what we're talking about this today. As a matter of fact, we don't ever ask for money. We make it clear that this is a listener-supported program, but we don't ask for money. Everything we do in this ministry is free. Everything we give away, everything's on our internet because we want people to hear the truth. The gospel's free, so everything we do and our time that you and I give is free. It's volunteer. So we're not asking for money from you. We're not wanting money from you. We're here today to give you a biblical principle that we think will change your life. It's not about us. It's about you and your relationship to God. Because you see, the reality is God doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. The fact is that for a lot of us, money is at the heart of our lives because it is important. We can't live without it. So it becomes our focus. But Jesus told us in Matthew six twenty four, no one can serve two masters for either he's going to hate the one and love the other or he's going to be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Our heart, if we are followers of Jesus Christ, must be on Jesus, not on the world, not on the money, not on the things we have. I will tell you that the speaker I heard some 40 years ago, the reason I started tithing 
was not because of the biblical verses that he gave. It was a challenge that he gave. Now, I'm not giving this challenge to you because I have no way of following up on it. But his challenge was, if you start tithing today and you owe more money in six months than you owe today, you send me the bills and I'll pay them. Now, that's a pretty strong challenge to a congregation at that time that was maybe a thousand people. But I thought, well, that's a challenge that I can accept. Because while I didn't understand thoroughly the principles of tithing at the time, I did understand that it was in God's word, that he wanted me to do it. And the fear inside of me because of our financial situation made me question whether I should do it right now. Because we have ways of justifying. And justifying is, well, God, I know you want me to tithe, but before I do, I have to pay off all my bills because I'm a poor witness if I don't pay my bills. So therefore, I have to do that first and then I'll tithe. Uh Uh-uh. No, when God shows you something, you do it right away. So I took his challenge and I did it. And I will tell you that six days out from that sixth month, we owed $6,000, not to mention the debts in the business. Had no idea how it was going to be paid, but we had tithed faithfully. Before that six days was up, we had all the money in a miraculous way and none of our bills were late. He could give that challenge because he knew that if we obeyed God and his word, God would be faithful in meeting all of our needs. That's our God. So he wasn't saying it because he's some magnanimous guy. He was saying it because he knew his God and he knew what would happen if we obeyed God. That's quite a challenge and I admire him for it. And that's what drew me to following the biblical principle of tithing. I think testimonies like that and challenges like that are things that people need to hear because, as you said, even Christians have kind of a negative reaction. I was looking this up on a secular online dictionary, and it says tax. The first word in the definition was tax. And so it says tax of about 10% paid in kind or in cash to a civil or religious institution known since antiquity. Right there, the foot, the world in the, in the foot may be recognizing the Old Testament and where it was from antiquity, but it gave that negative connotation. Where do we go with our ideas of this tithe? How do we change what might be negative? Do we go back to the Old Testament, look at that? Is it, because many people will say, oh, that's just for the Old Testament. It's not for New Testament believers. Well, let's look at that. A tithe means a tenth. It's an Old Testament requirement from the law. But it wasn't just to give a tenth. By the time you looked at the offerings and the other requirements that God put on the Jews in the Old Testament, they ended up giving 23.3% of their resources towards God and his work. Now, again, I told you, God doesn't need our money. He wants a heart. But our hearts are bound in our worldly resources. So when we give of our resources to God, we are recognizing that God ultimately gave us what we have. He gave us the ability to have the brains we have, to do the work we do, to make the income that we bring in. If he didn't do that, we wouldn't have any income. So we're recognizing that he has given us this, and we're just simply giving back to him in a form of worship what he has already provided to us. But it's really tough. When we had no money, the idea of giving 10% of our income to God, and I say to God, in our generations, we give it to the church. 
Those are our tithes. We give offerings, and some people give tithes, but to other ministries in order to help them because they help other people. And the idea to do that is very difficult, especially if you've seen your church or the ministry or something misuse the money. Then you think, well, I'm not going to give them money so the pastor can travel or so that they can buy this or that that I don't think they need. Well, this isn't about what we think. This is about what God requires. The first time God even talked about tithing in Scripture comes from Genesis 14, 18 through 20. And the tithe wasn't to God. It says, And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Now he was a priest of God most high. He blessed Abraham and said, Blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hands. When he blessed Abraham, and this was, again, Melchizedek. He's called king of Salem. Salem is Jerusalem. So he was king and he was priest and king. And he said when he blessed Abraham, it says Abraham gave him a tenth of all. Because if we read the book of Hebrews, we'll find out that Melchizedek was a type of the Messiah who is king and priest. Abraham recognized that and God led him to give a total stranger 10% of what he had. Now later, as we move on into the Old Testament, God is clear that the tithes would be given to him and into the storehouse and toward the purpose of doing the work of God. The point is that God required it. It wasn't optional in the Old Testament. They gave, again, up to 23.3% for God and his work on earth because they were doing this to focus on God and his provision for them in gratitude of all that he had done for them and what he would do to provide their needs. So that's interesting when you talk about 10%, but that only being part of what they gave. The tithe was a 10% requirement, but there were other things that they gave as well. And I've heard people who talk about, well, is it a New Testament thing to tithe or not? And I heard a pastor one time say, well, it's a start. (laughs) The 10% is a good start. How does this relate to the New Testament? Is it mentioned in the New Testament at all? Or how do we get the tithing from the Old Testament to the New Testament? Tithing is only mentioned five times in the New Testament. And never is it mentioned with the idea that you need to do this, as it was commanded in the Old Testament. So people will say, well, I don't need to tithe because God doesn't command it in the New Testament. Until we realize that Jesus told us in Matthew five seventeen. I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. So Jesus, when he came, didn't abolish 80% of the Bible, the Old Testament. He came to fulfill it. That means that the directives he gave us from the Old Testament, he still wants us to follow. Obviously, we don't follow sacrifices. We don't burn sacrifices and animals as they did in the Old Testament. But when it comes to something like this that has a meaning to us and to God and is reiterated in the New Testament, not under the phrase tithing, but in other ways, we know that we need to follow it. In the New Testament, he chastised the Pharisees in Matthew 23, 23, when he said, you tithe, mint and dill and cumin, but you ignore the weightier things of the law, like justice and mercy and faithfulness. The Pharisees were tithing everything. They were tithing down to the point that they were dividing up their spices and giving 10% of the smallest spices they had 
because they were being very legalistic and they were told to tithe, so they were going to tithe 10% of everything. Well, it's great, except that when they did that, they ignored the heart. And the heart of God was justice and mercy and faithfulness. They were following the legalistic part instead of what God wanted. Sometimes we have to follow the legalistic way. If I hadn't been challenged, if I hadn't known that God's word said I needed to tithe, I wouldn't have done it. Because my head was not in tithing. My heart was desirous to obey God, but I didn't want to do it. I did it out of obedience, not because I wanted to. When you talk about then not being legalistic, but doing it just out of obedience, how did your heart get into it? Obedience. When we obey God, he changes our hearts. He lets us see himself and lets us see what he's doing in our hearts through this. And that's what he did with me. If God tells me something or I see something as a word, I know I have to obey it. If I want to be God's child, I need to do this. doesn't mean I'm going to like it. I remember the first time I learned submission. I didn't want to do that either. But I learned that if I was going to love God, I needed to submit to my husband and my pastor and everybody in authority over me. That was difficult. But I wanted to obey God because I loved him and I knew he knew what was best for me. And all we have to do is put the toe of our big foot into the water and God will change our hearts. And by that I mean we just obey as the Israelites did. Once the priest put their toe in the water of the Jordan River, it receded. But it didn't recede until they put their toe in the water. So we have to start with obedience and then God changes our hearts. And that's what he did for me. Then I learned that in the New Testament, giving becomes more about the attitude of the heart to help others and to be obedient to God in recognizing that he's the one that's given us everything and he wants to grow his kingdom through these resources. It's more about that than it is about the money. As I say, he doesn't need it. I have a friend who came to me one time and she said, I want to tithe. God has put it on my heart to tithe out of my money that I make and my husband won't let me. He doesn't want to tithe and he doesn't want me to tithe. And I said, don't worry about it. God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. And your heart is to tithe. You have to obey your husband in this matter, but God knows you want to tithe and that's what matters. It seems like if you have a situation like that, either your heart is hardened or your spouse's heart is hardened, you can come to the Lord and pray about it. It's okay to come to him and say, you know what, I really don't want to do this. This is hard for me. I don't see how I can really obey this. And yet I love you. I want to obey you. So Lord, you're the one that's going to have to change my heart. You're the one that's going to have to show me how I'm going to be able to do this. And he'll do that. And he did. And he did in this woman's heart. And she eventually was able to tithe. But it took a while. And God used that to change her heart in a lot of areas. But her heart was right. That's what God wants. He wants a heart. I'm saying that, but I don't want you to think that because he wants a heart, you can say, well, I want to tithe, but I really don't have the money right now. But he knows my heart. No, 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 no. We've got to obey. We've got to do what God tells us to do. After all, the principle of giving, while it doesn't mention tithing much in the New Testament, that principle is throughout the whole New Testament. Let's look at a few places in 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2. We see that God uses the tithe to provide for the saints. That reads, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed to the churches of Galatia, so do you also. On the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper, 
so that no collection be made when I come. That's why we collect money on Sunday mornings, the first day of the week. We are to have put aside and save the money that God gave us, whether it's 10%, whether it's 50%. They say that J.C. Penney ended up tithing 90% and living off her 10%. And you say, well, he was worth millions. He could afford to do that. Maybe so. But he also could have bought a lot more houses and a lot more things with it. But he chose to obey God and tithe what God somehow put on his heart, not what he was legalistically required to do. So we use our tithes to provide for the saints. In Ephesians 4.28, we're reminded that he who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor. And this is the part I want you to focus on. We labor, performing with our own hands what is good, so that we will have something to share with one who has need. Why do we make money? We don't make money to go buy more things. We make it to take care of our needs and then to help other people in need. Then he tells us that he's going to bless us. I love this passage. I never hear it in church, and I wish I did. Because in Philippians 4, 15 to 17, Paul said, You yourself also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. Now, that's quite a testimony for the church of Thessalonica that they contributed to all of his needs. It goes on to say, For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once from my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. Paul's saying, You gave because you knew this is what God wanted you to do. This is the right thing to do. I'm not seeking the gift myself. Paul knew that he would be provided for, whether Macedonians did it or the Thessalonians did it or whatever. Paul trusted God to provide his needs. But he said, I don't seek for the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. So you see, when we give, it may be to help somebody else. It may be an act of worship. It may be for any of a number of reasons. But ultimately, you and I profit from our giving. Now, that doesn't mean we get money back. That doesn't mean we give because we're going to profit in return. We give because our heart wants to worship God in this. But the point here is, it's very clear that I will profit when I obey God. Paul wanted people to tithe, not to get the money, but he wanted them to be blessed. And we are blessed when we obey God, and we do what he tells us to do. And in this case, he's talking about tithing. And we're actually giving back to him just a small part of what we get to keep. When we look at it this way, he lets us have 90% when we're underneath a tithing requirement. And then we think about the blessings that you talked about. I read a statistic that said that most people, most Christians do not tithe. They give, but they don't necessarily tithe. If tithing has a special blessing, look at how many people are missing out on that blessing. If you give out of gratitude, you have a heart that is peaceful and is in love with God and is appreciative. Who do you want to hang out with? People who are appreciative and happy and joyful in the Lord or people who are greedy and stingy? It just benefits you physically. It benefits you socially. It benefits you in so many ways. A list of blessings we could just sit down and write out when you think it through. And we don't want to miss out on that. Paul didn't want people to miss out on that. The Lord doesn't want us to miss out on that. And we learn that in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8, where Paul writes, Now this I say, 
He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Right there it tells us, sow bountifully, because they're going to have bountiful reaping. Again, we don't give in order to get, but these are the benefits God gives us. He goes on to say in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, each one must do as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I had opportunity to give to people secretly without their knowing. And I tell you, I will laugh all the way to their house or to whatever I'm going or however I'm doing it because it's such a joy to meet other people's needs because God has led me to do it. So that's another reason why we give. And giving, again, in the New Testament isn't just a 10%. We are required in the Old Testament to get 10%, but we're also called in the New Testament to change our hearts and to give where there's a need. And that might mean 20% or 30%. We have to follow God. So a tenth is a good place to start with the tithing. We also need to seek God's guidance as to any additional amounts he might want us to give or to people or to ministries. In the Old Testament, the tithe also included, by the way, their grain and their cattle and their items of significance. So should we give more than just a tenth of our income? Like, should we consider giving a tenth of the things that we have? For example, inheritance, tenth of the money that you inherit, or even some people donate a tenth of the items out of a house that they receive, or jewelry, or china, or things like that. That's certainly up to an individual, and you have to have a place to give it. There's people who will tithe their eggs that their chickens lay, or food from their garden because they have a lot of food and they believe they need to give it. Make sure you have a place to give it if God's leading you to do that. There's lots of places. Open Door Mission is one that would take all of those things. We have to seek God individually. You know, religion's pretty easy sometimes if you just listen to the rules and you follow the rules one, two, three, four, five, six. Well, in the New Testament, we live by grace. God doesn't lay out the rules for us as he did in the Old Testament as to exactly how we're to do things. He wants our heart. So he wants us to individually seek God as to what we will do and how we will do it. For example, do we tie the tenth of our gross income or our net income? As a lot of people say, well, I, I just started to have anything after taxes taken out and so forth. So I tie the tenth off my net income. Scripture talks about giving the first fruits, the best to God in Second Chronicles 31.5. That's something you have to deal with with God. But I tell you, I don't want to rob God. I wouldn't want to be the one where God says, Debbie, I called you to do this, and you only followed me part way. That's what King Saul did way back in 1 Samuel 15. And because he only followed God part way, God took the kingdom away from him. I don't want to be in that position. Keep in mind that we are not to give under compulsion. That's what 2 Corinthians 9 says. We're not to give legalistic, having that mindset, or being manipulated by others. We're not to get anything in return for our giving because it's all an act of giving to God. And we're not to do it to be noticed by men. In Matthew 6.33, Jesus said, But when you give to the poor, do not let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. We give secretly to the Lord, not to be seen by men. One of the things that has intrigued me as thinking about tithing is that it is an act of worship. 
And when you think of it that way, it really does make a difference to know that you're worshiping the Lord when you do this. I think that works into making this an act which is a priority versus an afterthought. How does that work into the idea of first fruits? Consider that in our churches, we have a time of worship where we sing, we have a time of the message, but we also have a time of giving. And that's not just so the church can get money. It's an act of worship. It's an act of putting God before our personal finances. Second Corinthians 8, 1 through 5, I want to read that. Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God, which has been given in the church of Macedonia, that in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. Now catch that. They struggled. They were in a, under affliction. They were poor people. And yet they overflowed with the wealth of their liberality. That's what God wants is the heart. Again, not the money. Second Corinthians 8.3 goes on to read, For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord begging us with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. They're struggling, they're being persecuted, but they want to participate in the growth of saints in other places. And thus it ends in verse 5, not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. You see, that's what it's all about at that first fruits. He wants the first fruits of what we have for himself so that he knows where our heart is, that it's totally devoted to him, and that we'll be obedient even in the most difficult of circumstances. So as I said before, when I learned the principle of tithing, we were in dire financial straits. We owed a million and a half dollars and absolutely no way to pay it back. So we prayed, we obeyed God and his tithing when we learned about it, and that was tough. But we did it cheerfully. We did it trusting God. At the same time, we prayed a lot. And we cut our spending. We paid our debts off little by little. We did what we could do at the time. God brought us out of our difficulties. We never declared bankruptcy. We paid all of our back debts. And we never accumulated any more debt. We learned to pay in cash, not using credit cards. We were never late on a bill. Well, obviously, we were late on those back ones in paying those off, but they got paid off. God changed our hearts about money. He showed us that the things of the world, the things that we thought important, weren't important. What's important is obedience to God and trusting him with our finances and everything else. We saw God do amazing things. I could tell you story after story of how he provided in miraculous ways just at the time that we needed the money. Within seven years, we were completely debt free. All of this was because we chose to honor God first and foremost with our first fruits and to be obedient to his word, to honor him with our resources. Boy, when we'll do that, whether it's finances or anything else, God will do amazing things. Let me leave you with Malachi 3, 8 through 10. This challenge from God, will a man rob God? Yet you're robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you're robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the floodgates of heaven and pour out for you blessing beyond measure. Now that's God's test. He says to us, test me. 
And see if I won't open the floodgates of heaven? And he did for us. And pour out for you blessing beyond measure. And he did for us. And he will do that for you. If you will choose to be obedient to God in his word, follow his directive and trust him in everything, especially with your money. Thank you for joining us today on Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank. This is a listener-supported show. If you'd like to support this program or contact Debbie Blank, you may do so at P.O. Box 540-003, Omaha, Nebraska, 68154, or visit our website at livingwordministry.org. Please tune in each week at this same time for Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank.